Hello, and welcome to Down to Sally's Cove, a collection of stories about Newfoundland and Labrador by the late Ella Manuel and read by me, Anthony Berger. I'm the editor of my mother's writings about the history and rich culture of the places and people she knew and loved. Many of these stories she read on local and national radio in the 1940s to 1970s. In this first of seven episodes about her Bombay friends and neighbors, Ella Manuel talks about Emma Tapper, who appears in many of these podcasts. At home in the woods, on the river, or in a boat, Em guided for Ella's fishing guests at Kildevil Lodge in Lomond and quickly became one of Ella's closest friends. Here is a story of how they met and something of the upbringing of the remarkable Emma Tapper. I first met Emma Tapper when her brother Harry answered my appeals for help in my new Kildevil venture with, I dare say my sister Emma would come for the summer, though I don't think she'd like working indoors much. She knows all about boats and engines and could certainly tell you all about the river. Sounds promising. Ask her to come and see me soon, will you? We were walking down the country road as we talked. There she is now, he said, pointing to a lithe figure in khaki slacks and shirt coming towards us. She was small, with ash-blonde hair and a beautiful mobile face, and she walked gracefully. A warm smile lit her face as she said, I was coming to see you soon. I used to love your place when the Simpsons lived there, and I'd like to see it now that it's lived in and cared for after all these empty years. And so she became indispensable guide, advisor, and my right hand at Kildevil. Speaking of her childhood, when her father worked for the St. Lawrence Lumber Company in Stanleyville and then Lomond, M told me that when we lived in a big house, the brook ran down a few steps from our back door. We had a little boat called Baby Tapper, just big enough to get around three-foot-deep pools. The first fishing I ever did was by our back door with a bent pin and a line for tiny little trout. We weren't allowed to keep them, so we'd flip them into a pail of water. They'd fall off the pin without our touching them. Each kid had his own pail, and at the end of the day we'd see who had the most fish before we put them back in the brook. In the winter, when I was a child, we would ski in the woods. I had to go out to Woody Point to my grandmother's to go to school. Dr. Green was in East Arm then too, so in the winter his boy Tim would ski out to Woody Point with me every Sunday night and home again on Friday. I wouldn't do it now, but in those days it was nothing. Em told me that her father, an ardent fisherman, had given her a fly rod for her twelfth birthday and taught her how to use it. He used to take me with him when he and other men went fishing, and he'd show me where the salmon lay and explain why they were there. I practically lived on the Lomond River, and I guess I know every rock in it. Tim and I used to walk on Saturday mornings to the river and fish all day. Many's the time we came home and we couldn't see a hand before us. I wish you could have known the river then, salmon behind every rock. Boats and fishing, gardening and berry-picking came naturally into her activities. In no time at all, she was also included in the hunt for moose and caribou and learned all about the wild backcountry and the skills necessary to survive, as well as making her an excellent marksman. After her mother's early death, Em learned to help her older sisters keep house for their father and younger siblings. She did all the traditional women's work, knitting, sewing, bottling, tending the garden, 
keeping cows and hens, and she was always ready to drop everything for a few hours jigging in the bay. A neighbor once told me, I often heard her say, Well, nothing for father's supper, so I suppose I'd better go and jig him a fish. And then off she'd go in her boat across the bay to the foot of Killdevil, and soon she'd be back with a cod or two. Em never waited around for somebody to bring her what she needed. Once, she told me, you know, I went and bought a piece of land up on the hill by the cemetery in Woody Point. There's six acres in all, and some day, if I ever get the money, I'm going to build a house there. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to look after old people, old men and women, and I'm going to let them do whatever they like. If one wants to go jigging, I'll get hold of a dory and I'll buy his fish. If one wants to plant potatoes, I'll give him a piece of land and I'll buy his crop. If the women want to, they can knit all day, every day, and I'll sell their socks and mitts. Whatever they want to do, I'll let them, even if it kills them in the end. I think it's a sin the way old people get shoved aside. Better they should die fishing or cutting wood. That's as good a way as any. And meantime, they're happy. Years later, having settled in Woody Point, Emma helped run a family restaurant and tourist cabins and made both high-water marks in cleanliness and good taste. When the seaside restaurant closed on the death of her sister, while others would have sat back and fiddled away their days, she cast round for something else to do. She investigated pottery making and enrolled in classes at the Cornerbrook Vocational School. She returned home to set up a studio to make attractive pottery, which was sold in the Bombay Craft Shop, now long gone. She still found time to learn weaving run the tourist cabins, look after a large house, and cultivate a big garden. When the fall comes, the freezer is full of homegrown food and the cellar shelves loaded with jams, jellies, and pickles. Not only that, but she tars the shed roof, mends the plumbing, keeps up the fences, and gives advice on all these skills to anyone who asks. And when one is lucky enough to go fishing with her, one sees that her skill and her knowledge, as well as her delight in being outdoors, is as great as it was 30 years ago. Em is one of those rare friends with whom regular communication is unnecessary. There might be between us years apart, never writing. Then, one day, I could appear in her cafe or on her porch, and her face would light up. Once, after a long absence, I arrived in Woody Point by coastal steamer at daybreak. A robin sang and a cow lowed as I went through the gate of Em's garden and up to her door. She was sleeping on the porch with the full light of sun on her small, thin face. And when she saw me, she smiled and said, Oh, good, you're here, as if I made a habit of appearing unexpectedly at sunrise. We'll go fishing later on, but now you get into the bed upstairs. You look sleepy. I'll call you if you're not up when I'm ready. When I woke, the sun was pouring in through the window, reflecting on the walls and sealing the dancing water of the bay outside. It was hot and brilliant, with the clarity of the Northland on its rare days of cloudless, windless weather, the clarity of sun-flavored wine, so hot that I walked barefoot down the path and across the road to a late breakfast at Em's cafe. She agreed to be written about only because she has a strong conviction which she wants to share, that to live in the country and survive one must know something about everything connected with daily living. She regrets that the children growing up around her are deprived of many of the ways of living an interesting life by not being taught every skill the community possesses. 
She believes that life should be built on self-sufficiency and the willingness to help one's neighbors. As someone once said of her, she's the finest woman salt water ever wet, and she could, if she felt like it, run a motorboat upside down. That was me, Anthony Berger, reading a story by the late Ella Manuel from the podcast series Down to Sally's Cove. This was recorded in the studios of VOBB, the voice of Bombay, community radio in the heart of Grossmoor National Park in western Newfoundland. Recording engineer and sound editor was Gary Wilton. Background music from Coffee in the Cove, written and played by David Berger. Together with a biography of my mother, these and other stories are available in book form entitled No Place for a Woman, The Life and Newfoundland Stories of El Emanuel, published in 2020 by Breakwater Books, St. John's, Newfoundland and Labrador. Thanks for listening. And tune in to the next episode to hear from Hugh McKenzie's granddaughter, who recalls the old days in Glenburnie.